So my guest today is a certified mindset coach, a thought leader in the field of communication for social organizational change, a complexity scientist, and a systemic leadership expert. Welcome, everybody, to Connect, Inspire, Create. I am your host, Carol Clegg, and on this show, we share entrepreneurial journeys, inspiring tools to help you take action in your business, along with mindset, motivation, and a few marketing resources. So we are going to dive in together and find inspiration to create success in business. So I want to introduce and ask you to meet Dr. Virginia Lacayo the co-founder and CEO of Massive. And that word itself just explains, I'm just so excited to dig into this conversation. But Massive is a coaching practice that guides and equips business leaders called to use their status and power to take on systemic change. So welcome, Virginia. I am super excited for this conversation today. Thank you, Carol. I'm super excited to be here too. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So I want to just dig in straight away and ask you to tell our audience a little bit about your diverse background as an immigrant. Um, We are both immigrants here in the United States, a social activist, an entrepreneur and a mindset coach all speak dearly to my heart. So tell us more. Oh, thank you. Uh, Well, I can say I'm Nicaraguan. So I, I grew up in the middle of the world, the Sandinista world in, during the 80s. So I I had that experience that shaped a lot of my values and who I am right now, the, the struggle at that time, but also all the community building, the solidarity, the, you know, that sense of belonging to something that is bigger than yourself and that you, you really aspire for the values of social justice and equality and diversity and equity. So it it all started there in my youth, in my childhood. And since then, I mean, it's beautiful because those experiences that can be idealized by many people, especially here in the United States and Canada, they were, we had a lot of people moving there to Nicaragua, helping build the new world, you know, like all that. And the people that we were there actually building that new world, with some of us, especially women, we start noticing that You know, even in the utopian world, um, everybody's equal, but some people are more equals than others. (laughs) That's what we used to call it. It's like, yeah, it seems like some people are more equals than others. So we start identifying, um, and since very young age, that's how my feminist mindset started to develop and my paradigm of the world too, and, and what equity really means, is that there were some people left out of that the plan for the new country and the new world. And most of them were the, what we call at that time minorities, that actually is the majority of the population, you know, young people, women, people with disabilities, people from the queer community, uh, neurodivergent. I mean, as a, a big bunch of humanity that was left out of the, the plans of what uh, the best, the perfect world would look like. And so I I was very intrigued by the changes in society and say, like, how, why some of us are left out from the decision-making process of idea and, you know, the idealization of this new society and how we change, how we change 
um, the system, how we change behavior, how we change our own behavior, but also and mostly how we change collective behavior. It was fascinating by that. So I I went through a journey that my father said is completely erratical and makes no sense. But for me, actually make the perfect circle. You know, like I think that you build your identity and your values and your vision of the world in chunks. Like, you know, like it's the different pieces that you start putting together. So part of those pieces where I went to law school, that was my my first degree, let's say. So I went to law school because I wanted to understand the skeleton of the society. It's like, what makes us behave in the, the way we behave? What are the structures? How laws are influenced and at the same time influence social norms and, and social behavior. So I, I got some knowledge from that, but far from being enough. So at the same time that I was in law school, I also uh, started working in a nonprofit organization. It's a feminist nonprofit organization that used to be at that time in, located in Nicaragua that used communication and especially entertainment education formats using pop culture, you know, telenovelas, radionovelas, um, pop music and, you know, comics, everything that is the pop culture to to convey social messages and to incite, uh, let's say, a, a new ways of interact with each other and to challenge some of the social problems that we were facing at that time. So this organization was doing that. And I, I became, since I was almost a founder of the organization, from the beginning, I started shaping and, and being very influential in the, in the kind of programs and the strategies that we developed. And I turned to be, I mean, at the end, I turned out to be uh, the co-creator and the director and the executive director. You know, you have to wear many wear hats. all of those hats, right? Yes, when you're working on the nonprofit sector. So of a television show that was a combination between a telenovela, Latino telenovela, with a uh, sitcom series uh, type uh, friends, you know, this the series of friends, young people, friends here right. in the States. So we did a combination of that, but all the characters and the contents of the this social sub was all social issues. So poverty, um, pregnancy, in teen, you know, during teenage years, um, domestic violence, um, you name it, sexuality, uh, sexual preferences, like all that which at that time was extremely controversial in Nicaragua because Nicaragua is mostly, and Central America, was a Central American show. And it is a very Catholic-based society. And actually the state even is very influenced by the Catholic Church. So we get in a lot of troubles with that, of course. But the impact of that program and that is the whole strategy was so massive, was so big, that the case, I mean, the, the the program and everything we did end up in textbooks and, you know, being taught at universities and big foundations. And the UN was saying, like, how you did that? I mean, what is the theory behind this? Because it's, it's a very innovative, very original model in some ways. And so they asked us and we were like, uh, we don't know. We um, we kind of follow our intuition and we work very closely with the communities and with organization and we the grassroots organizations that were part of this strategy. And together we created this that has a huge impact, but it should have 
a theory behind it so we can explain it. Right. People can reproduce it. Mm -hmm. So this is just part of the chunks, right? This is another block of my story. So I am always being kind of a nerd. So I said, like, I volunteer to go back to college and to get my master. And then I, I got my PhD and Ohio University. That's how I came here to the United States the first time to say, I'm going to build that theory. I'm going to understand what happened, how we achieve what we achieve, and then be able to explain it to the rest of the world that way. So I came, I came to the United States. I did my master. I ended up teaching my master to my peers more than actually learning because I had all the experience, all the background. And you know that in theory, theory and practice are the same thing, but in practice, they're not. So I brought the all the practice knowledge uh, to to that to that learning process, and once there, I found found like discover like America was discovered. This is with quotation mark. It was already there, but I came across complexity science, and I just fell in love with it because complexity science. I want to know more. Explain to us because I know oh. there's going to be some that aren't going to know. I don't know. So tell me, what is oh. this? Oh, I just fell in love with that, and it's. From someone that comes from the social sciences, you know, like sociology, I study sociology, psychology, social psychology, communication, all that, anthropology. They have, those disciplines have a lot of theories that explain human behavior in many ways and why we are who we are and the way we behave. Complexity science is a kind of a body of knowledge and theories that come from different sciences, all of them pretty hard science. I, that includes mathematics, quantum physics, um, astrology, biology, eco, ecology. I mean, a lot of the, the hard science that usually so, social scientists, we kind of ignore <laughs> or we don't understand or we think they're too hard for us. But with complexity science, there was this body of knowledge that explained how complex systems actually work and change. And complex systems, systems like a forest, like an ant of, col- uh, of a colony of ants, or like the, um, the stock market, you know, that are complex. And we think that they, they're, they're contradictory, they're unpredictable, they're uncontrollable. They are uh, paradoxical in many, in many ways. They, we feel usually, I mean, the, most of us, Think of those complex systems as something that happened by magic, kind of. Out of the way, out of... Yeah, Yeah, it's like, we don't know, we're just guessing here. Yeah. We're just guessing here. But social scientists and people in general, humans, we love predictability. We love the idea that we can predict and control things. And... And we have we have lead organizations, our businesses, our groups, our communities, our families, even as if they were machines. And that comes from the Newtonian paradigm. You know, Isaac Newton explained the word, saying that the word is like a big clock. That uh, if you understand the parts, then you understand the whole, and all you need is more information and being able to plan it and predict the behavior. And if one part doesn't work well, you replace it for another equal one and everything is going to work well. And we we transfer that knowledge, that idea, that paradigm of the machine metaphor to our social interventions, 
to the way we lead organizations, we lead business, we the way we think, we think that we can predict and control society. What complexity science does is to tell us that we're wrong, that that's not true, that society, any human system, human-based system is complex, is adaptable. It changes all the time. Is the, All the parts are always interacting with each other, are always affecting and being affected by ed, every other part's behavior. And therefore, we need to understand if we want to really lead a complex system like a business, like the world, we need to understand its complexities and work with them instead of in spite of them. Against it, right. It kind of to me, what comes to mind is this growth mindset to yes. not walk down this narrow train yes. track and that you've got to keep your train on the rails and don't look sideways, don't look fascinating that that pulled everything together for you. It's, yeah, it's even more than that. It's, it's challenging everything. Complexity science challenged for me everything I understood about humans because it's, it's challenging the linear way of thinking. Like it's challenged the dichotomous way of thinking is either or, either or kind of thinking is black or white. And it start open the possibilities to is both and what if, what else? And having really having the lens, the right lens and the right metaphor to understand societies and understand groups and communities and business organizations as a living organism. Mm. And so for me, change the way we lead and the way we approach everything. And my son is a, a witness of this because the poor thing has been my lab rat about this since the beginning is that. We lead organizations and we lead society not from the perspective of a machine that, you know, like everything is vertical, the organigrams that we know. And then if if there is a problem with cells, then I change the cells team or I train them better or that's their problem, but more as a relationship with the system. So really leading organization and, and in, in fostering behavioral change, social change, organizational change is is more like raising a child. You know, there is no manual. I read like Uh, absolutely 300 books about parenting, raising childs and et cetera. But when you have your child, that child is so unique. That you have to adapt and and be be receptive. Exactly, you have to pay attention instead of working with your um, knowledge running in your head. You know that right. that you build at the beginning of the pregnancy, and then nobody follows at the end. You have to go moment by moment, experimenting and see what works, what doesn't work. Something works, fantastic. Keep working on that, keep fueling it, but be aware because it's going to change anytime. The moment you have the answers, the kid is going to change the questions and you have to be on your toes on that. But that doesn't mean the fact that it's unpredictable, uncontrollable, contradictory in many ways, paradoxical, that doesn't mean that you cannot understand the ba- basic rules and that you can still move forward in the relationship by learning as you go. And I, what you're sharing now just makes me think from a leadership point of view and in a company is 
as a leader to be vulnerable, to open up that communication as opposed to coming with, well, this is the way it's always been, um, the, to change that dynamic of being, yes, you need a leader because you need somebody to take the reins, yeah. but it doesn't need to be somebody who dictates. Yes. But it's so, to bring the, the, bring everybody together and then just to to be humble enough to be able, I'm wrong, um, and perhaps that's a brainstorming moment that you bring that together and go, well, what's another? And I, what I like about this is, and there's always another and. Um, yes. And, and oh my goodness. Bring the curiosity to you. Say like, mm-hmm. instead, instead of seeing yourself as, as the leader that control things and move people in one direction, you are the influencer. You're the facilitator of the system to figure things out. And so your role as a leader is to stay curious, is to bring diversity and opinions, people, experiences, elements, all that. That's your role. And as an influencer, you are your role, your main role is to remove obstacles for the system to create, innovate, explore and figure it out. So it's a completely yeah. different perspective of what leadership is about, really. Absolutely. And so much needed to be heard. You know, I'm part of the Positive Intelligence Program, and Shizad Shemine talks about pouring into leadership and bringing in these elements. And it is, it's it's world-changing. That if um, So you're putting that message out there. Who do you work with now? Who's your target? Well, one of the terms that I'm influencing. Yeah, one of the challenges that I have with that, because that was that was like mind-blowing for everybody that I work with, but I needed tools, more tools to bring that home, to say like how you eat this, you know, how you put this into practice in daily life, how you become, one thing is to learn and to get the knowledge of what system uh, are about and systemic leadership and all that. And another thing is to become the person that can lead a system into change, so I, I got my certifications as a coach, and from that I built I built a set of tools and program, and that now that's what we use at Massive, and Massive is a short for Massive Systemic Change. So we work right now with, well, I I we work with two people, and I have to say that my whole life I've been working since I was a teenager with people without power teaching them, leading, and coaching them how to fight the system for their rights. Now with Massive, we're working with people that has power to change the damn system instead. And so we work with conscious leaders that have a calling, that have, let's say, that their heart hurts for the injustice that are happening in the world, and they know they can do something about it, and they want to do something about it, but they don't know how or where to start. So you that's provide- yeah, that you provide those tools that oh the guidance. We we work with them from the beginning to polishing their calling. What is their mission? What is their vision? What is their mm-hmm. message? How to become thought leader? Because you cannot change the world by yourself. You need a community, you need a movement. So how can become the, the systemic leader that the system needs you to lead for, for you to create that change? And we coach on mindset a lot because. One of my lessons that I learned in all these years of working, changing the systems, is that when you fight the system, the system fights back and it fights hard and it will crush you if you don't have the right mindset. 
So we work on part of the program is a coaching program that is called the Indomable Mindset. And is Indomable is a loose word for that translates into impossible to domesticate. And so that's kind of my my go-to, my mantra, my my aspirational mindset is to become someone that the past social conditioning, all the colonizers that I call, you know, that is white supremacy, the consumerist capitalism, the um, patriarchy, especially, and some institutionalized religion are putting a, a, a huge set of limiting belief in our mind that now what we, we think are ours and we think are true. So we have to start by challenging those beliefs and really recognize, developing that kind of critical mindset where you can see through the bullshit to say, yes, especially your own, especially that is in your own head. So you are not the main obstacles that will stop you from actually making an an impact in the world. Or being a conduit of what you don't want to be in the world. That's, yeah. Reproducing the system. Right. So that, yeah, because I was going to ask you, you know, about how does mindset support all these topics? It's critical. I appreciate that. But a lot of people, you know, even the older people I find stay away, but we don't need to go there. This is this is how things are done. This is how it will always be done. And then it's how fascinating when you just dig into what your own mind is capable of changing. Your yeah, it's pattern. starting changing your mind first. Yeah, changing your thought pattern and changing. Virginia, this has been delightful, uh, absolutely wonderful. If I had to ask you to say, if our listeners were listening to us and all these incredible things and differences that they, that you're making in the world. What's one thing that you would like them to just sit in their brains and percolate and let them take away from this episode? Um, well, two things, I think. One is that we, I believe that we all, we all have a calling. We all are here for a purpose that is just more than just surviving and doing the best we can. We, we do have a calling and we can achieve our calling. We can answer to that call. But the first step is to identify what your calling is. And so one way to do it is to really go deep into your heart and ask yourself what hurts. What is something that hurts to experience? Why, where do I feel powerless? Where do I feel that this is, I don't want this for my children and for, you know, my grandchildren. And this should change now. If you ask, you start asking yourself those questions, you're going to start feeling that something is unsettled in you. And, and also another way is like, this is especially for successful people, for successful business owner and business, you know, leaders is to say, when your copy mechanisms have become too expensive or not enough. Because if you, you know, you get to a point where you say, now I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, as a way of fulfilling your life, when those mechanisms, those things that you have tried are not enough or are getting expensive and they're not getting you where you want to go, it means that you have a calling that you have an answer, that your real purpose has been ignored. So that will be one thing. And the other one that is the next step is start really challenging yourself. Everything. Be, develop a critical mind that start by saying, what do I think 
I am, what my mind is telling me about me, about what is true and what is not true in the in the world, in life, and what is possible and not possible, and I start challenging each one of those beliefs and see where that led you, because it's going to be a place you cannot imagine right now. And it's amazing. Not necessarily pleasant, always, but no. it's really worth But the two bits of advice that you gave there, in both of them, I think bringing them together, things are not always pleasant, and they're not always perfect. And we want to steer away from that as opposed to diving in and exploring. So that what stirs your heart and hurts might be a negative feeling, but explore it. Yes, but but discomfort is really the currency of evolution, is the currency of change. You have to have some level of discomfort for you to change anything about yourself and about the world and about your business, about anything. So embrace I was just going to say that embrace discomfort. Will that be our parting words to our audience today? Embrace discomfort. I think so. Well, I want to say thank you again for joining me. To our listeners, if you have found this conversation sparked some inspiration in you, I invite you to share it wherever you share your content. Perhaps you have a friend or a business colleague or somebody you know that this just would be the perfect thing for them to listen to and be inspired. I want you to be able to connect with Virginia, so I'll make sure that her links are in the show notes. But one of them is the Substack community, which I took a glance at that, and that has a host of inspiring articles. So that link will be in the show notes. The website, massivechange.co to find out more about what Virginia is doing in the world and then to connect with her on LinkedIn. If you want to send her a private message, ask her something more about how you can make a difference and what's stirring your heart, all those links will be in the show notes. So I thank you for listening to this episode today and I encourage you this week to step out, make a difference, do something different with your connecting and inspiring that brings you joy for this week. So until the next time, take care.